I'm going to talk about Thanksgiving today. Uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 138. Uh, before we get there uh, to talk about preaching and stuff like this, I want to talk about the after school Satan Club. Uh, how do you feel? Um, if you haven't heard uh, this last week, uh, uh, kind of got out that there's a club that wants to come to town and uh, be at Golden Hills Elementary School and maybe others, uh, After School Satan Club. And uh, on further poking that a little bit, you realize that uh, they're just a club that tries to follow uh, Good News Club and tries to get them uh, out of the schools as well as uh, show people how great it is uh, to not follow Jesus. Um, I, I find it interesting uh, that if you know anything about the Good News Club, uh, it's really uh, the Grandma's Good News Club. It is. It is. If you think about uh, who usually leads those, and we have some people here at our church, uh, they're Grandma's. And uh, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Uh, because Grandma's care, and they, they first know, they know, and they also care uh, about those future generations, and they understand the importance of the gospel for them. And so uh, it's not a new organization. The Good News Club is not a, by any means new, but it is people that desire, mostly grandmas, that are uh, seeking to share the good news of Jesus. And uh, so people are threatened, and they want to start a Satan club to somehow get the Good News Club out of the schools. Anyways... Um, I wanted to just talk about that for a moment as a pastor in this community and for you all. I don't look to be a voice of reason in this community. I realize that um, it's right here that we impact uh, what we're doing. And so uh, I just want to bring up a few points. First of all, uh, clarity bothers us. Clarity bothers us. We would rather uh, life be vague and like neutral and like... You know, if, uh, if there was um, Satan's auto parts in town, I, I think most of us wouldn't go there, right? Um, or maybe um, Satan's sandwich shop. Or uh, uh, you want to take your family on vacation to Satan's city. Um, or Satan's amusement park. Or Satan's coffee. Um, that clarity would bother us, right? We would say, uh, yeah, you know, I, I can't go there. I can't do that. I can't be a participant in that. And I just want to, uh, in your mind, I, I want to just remind you that clarity probably bothers us as we hear those types of things. Um, and yet um, the enemy's alive and well. He's alive and well, and he is working. He is working in our world. And for us to not think that's true um, is foolishness, is, is truly foolishness. I want to bring up just a couple of scriptures, a couple of thoughts from God. I don't want to say thoughts. They're not thoughts. They're the truth. They're what we should believe in. They're what we should live by. The first one is 1 John 4.4. 4. Um, I find this interesting even as it's uh, written. He's not speaking so much to uh, age, he, he's not talking to the little people. He's not doing the surprise box here. But um, as he's looking at believers and as he looks at us as God's people, all of us who have come to faith are ch children of God. And so he says this, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. 
And then he says this very important uh, truth for us to remember. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Uh, I think sometimes we uh, look at situations like this and we get fearful right away. And I just want to tell you that we have no reason to be fearful, even if we live in Satan's city. Okay? Uh, Because greater is he who is in us and he who is in the world. And secondly, I I just want to say this. From Joshua 24, 15. These uh, blatant, uh, clear, clear pictures of, you know, this is Satan's way or, or God's way. Um, I, I think it's important to realize what that does for us. And it's, a, it's good for us. It's good for us to see this. And I, I think that when we make any decision or we participate in anything, we have to ask the question, where is God? What is God doing? Is there a way that Christ is involved in? Is there something that Jesus wants me to do? Uh, In the Old Testament, as God's people went into the promised land and they began to establish this and Joshua was their leader, at the end, really kind of uh, the latter part of that conquest and going into the promised land, Joshua uh, was kind of done in his leadership. And this is what he said to his people um, and it is a very important one. I think that most of you know, uh, you've heard this before, but I want you to see the context or at least a little bit more of this verse. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He says this to the people. He says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it is the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, We have a lot of kids here. You have a lot of grandkids. And I I just want to say, you can't decide for the city what the city is going to do. You can't decide for your friends, your peers, what they're going to do. But you can decide for your household. And I'd encourage you to do so. And as you talk to other people and as you see things, uh, I want you to encourage them. What are you doing? What are you doing with your kids? Where are they? What are they a part of? If this uh, fires you up inside, this whole idea, and you love this town, I want to encourage you, some of you, to get off the bench. Um, and especially, I think, of uh, some of you grandmas and grandpas. Teach kids. Teach kids. Teach kids the Bible. Um, I, I know, I, I know there are a lot. I know there are a lot. Uh, I know the kids of this church uh, need more discipline. I know they're rowdy and you know they won't pay attention. I, I know those things. Um, you were too, by the way. You just don't remember it. It's just so long ago. It was just so long ago. You don't remember. Um, and there, there was no cell phones to document it or anything like that. But I want to encourage you, teach kids the Bible. We need Sunday school teachers. I'm not trying to connect this, but talk to Brandon. We could always use another Sunday school teacher, someone who loves kids, teach them the Bible. And I also know that uh, if you want to participate in the Good News Club, speak to Mari Lacombe and a few other ladies. You can talk to me, and I can connect you with them. Um, Okay, you got it? Got it, good. 
Uh, I also wanted to say this. I realize we're running out of time here quickly, but I do want to say this. I'm thankful for this church. Um, what a blessing it is to come uh, Sunday morning as a pastor, and, and you guys are anxious to hear the word of God and to sing. I love the way you sing, and I love the way you participate. And so uh, I've been, let me be honest, uh, I've been in other situations uh, that, that uh, nobody came. <laughs> nobody came. Very few people came, and it was hard to get traction. And I'm so thankful for you all as a church and the opportunity, what God's doing here, and your partnership in the gospel work. And so uh, it's thrilling for me and my family to be a part of this uh, here at Bear Valley Church. Um, I know that uh, life doesn't last forever, and I want to cherish uh, and be thankful uh, for what God is doing right now, right now. Um, and so with that, let's go to uh, Psalm 138. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you um, this psalm. Uh, God's word says this, I, I, I give you thanks, O Lord, with, with my whole heart. Uh, before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me and my strength, uh, my strength of my soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give, uh, give you thanks, O Lord. They have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing the ways of the Lord. For great is the, the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out uh, your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And God bless your church as we look at uh, your word now. And may we know you better uh, because of the time we spent together. And may uh, knowing you better uh, stir our hearts to thank you and sing praise to you and give praise. And let people hear our praise that they might know how great you are. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm gonna keep saying real quick to remind myself to be real quick. But real quick, uh, I wanted to talk to you about the Psalms, the Psalms. And as you read any Psalm, any Psalm, as you read any Psalm, there's some elements to the Psalms that you should look for. You should look for the person, the follower of God. There's a, there's a follower of God that you're gonna know something about. And this... Uh, section, it's probably David, as we look at uh, this psalm, you have a follower of God, you have a situation, a situation, it's not just any old day, but there's something that has brought up this situation, so there's a follower of God, the situation, uh, most of the time there's an enemy, there's an enemy, okay, so as one is following God in a certain place in a certain time, Many times there is an enemy uh, present in a psalm, and we know something about that enemy. And then you see, uh, in, in this situation with this enemy, you see a solution or a provision, okay? A solution or a provision. And uh, 
This is the big tip-off. This is the big, uh, big tip-off. It's always God. It's always God. Every psalm, every, every situation, uh, uh, sometimes it's more uh, clear than others, but it's always God. It's always God. And I, I want to tell you, uh, it usually talks, tells us something about him specifically that helps us in this situation or this problem or, or with this enemy. And so as we look at this this morning, just to remember that he is our answer. He is our answer. So if you're in, in, a, in a mess today, and some of you are, I'm not looking for an amen or anything like that, but I'm not looking for you to show your hands. I'll point you out if I need to. But um, the problem that you have as a follower of God, the pro- you have a situation, uh, I, I want to tell you, you might have some enemies in there too, but uh, what's the solution or the provision? It's God. He is your answer uh, and something specific about him. And so with that in mind, I want to go through this passage quickly. Uh, And uh, I just want to tell you three points here because I like to. Uh, The first one is thanks to the true God. Uh, The second one is thanks to the king of kings or the king above all kings. And lastly, it's my Lord today and forever. My Lord today and forever. In Psalm 138 verse one, he says, I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Uh, He starts off this psalm like many and he says, uh, I give thanks. Uh, He doesn't say you shall give thanks, people give thanks, thanks be. He's saying me, me right here. And I'll just make comments as we go. It's important uh, that you would give thanks and that I would give thanks, that people would hear our voice. Um, you have a great life. You have a great life. I have a great life. Um, it's not because you were smarter. It's not because you made better decisions. It's not because uh, you, you were somehow uh, better than anybody. It's because of God's goodness and his grace to you. And so for uh, the psalmist, as he looks upon this, probably David, probably King David, he says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Not a half heart, not um, a token. I I fear that uh, many times we think in terms of a token of thanks. Oh, it's Thanksgiving time. I should probably be thankful. I'll, I'll be uh, complaining and discontent the rest of the year, but uh, because it's you know the pumpkin season, uh, I will give thanks. And this, this is not the psalmist's heart. The psalmist's heart is that his whole heart is before the Lord, and he is desiring to acknowledge that God is good and has been good to him, his Lord, his relationship with him. So he gives thanks. He says something interesting in verse one. He says, with my whole heart, before gods, I sing your praise. And it's interesting because, uh, and I would just label this first one through three, thanks to the true God, to the true God. Um, As you think about this, uh, as today, as just like today, um, we live in a world where there are other gods. People are acknowledging other gods. There's other idols that people follow. 
And I, I say idols is probably a better way to say it than gods. Why? Because there is one true God living, uh, the creator, the one who is involved in everything and will bring this to conclusion, this world. There's one true God and then there's a bunch of fake gods or idols that don't matter. And, and as uh, the, the psalmist writes, probably David, uh, he says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. And it's as if like the other gods would be watching or other people who follow after other gods who believe different things. And in the midst of that, he acknowledges the one true God. And I want to tell you, when you give praise, that's what you're doing. You're saying, you didn't deserve it. This God didn't deserve it. That God didn't deserve it. But the one true God deserves my praise, my thanks. Uh, this is what uh, really thanksgiving of the believer means. It means thanks to the one true God and not the other ones. In verse two, it says this, I bow down toward the holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And it brings this idea of temple worship, of, of them coming together and bringing a sacrifice of praise or thanksgiving. And, and as he uh, does this, there's a, there's a point in all that that he is participating in the worship of God. Um, you know, th- Things get me bothered during the week. How many of you get bothered by some things? Sometimes? I, I heard uh, this last week. I heard uh, actually a couple of different people talk about how important uh, like church is to be in a community. And I was, I was with them. I was with them. And they were like, and they said, not, it, one was talking about his upbringing. He said, you know, it used to be so great when I was, when I was a kid, I went to church and we had people and community and, and fellowship. And uh, he says, I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. I, it wasn't about worshiping God that was so important. It was just about us being together. And, you know, you can't do anything when it's just on the internet, right? You can't grab anybody by the throat or anything like that, right? (laughs) I want to tell you, our gathering here today, I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you enjoy being near one another and hearing each other's voice and being together. I hope that you find that community here in the church. But the reason that we meet is not because of community. It's because... God so loved the world that he sent his son and that because of who he is and what he has done, he deserves our worship together. He deserves our worship together. And so the psalmist, as he pictured uh, thanking God, he, he pictured himself worshiping God in the temple and, and giving thanks to his name and gathering with his people He says something that is very common in Psalms, and I would even say that it's one of the major teachings of Psalms. He he, he says, I I do this, I I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Steadfast love, that, that, that idea of his promised love. Now, most of love is an exchange. And, and you could even say the steadfast love of the Lord is an exchange too. But it, it goes like this. God loves you. 
God loves you. And, and not just does he love you in a moment in time, is that his love is a promised love to you. He says, I, I promise to love you. It's my people. I, I'm committed to you. What should happen next? Respond, right? Respond. Um, and, and by the way, uh, what happens, you know, uh, in a dating relationship? You're, you're chasing after a girl or you're making yourself, you know, you know, winking at the guy in church and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know how you work these things out, but um, you, you extend a hand, right? You extend a hand. And if they don't respond, reciprocate, or if you extend the hand, they extend the hand, and then they quit reciprocating, what do you do? Forget you, right? That's human love. That's human love. This love right here is a distinct, different thing. It's God's love, his promised love. And he couples that here with a little one word, faithfulness, and then later on, a similar idea. But it's that God, his amazing love for us, and then his faithfulness to over time, over time, live that out. Has God been faithful to you? Has God been faithful to you? Think about the times. I mean, you could say, well, uh, every day, every day. But there have been days, right, that mark his faithfulness to you. And as, as you think about that, that should be like a, a, the photographs in your mind, the, the slideshow of God's goodness to you, his faithfulness. And, and sometimes it's marked by this. When you think of God's faithfulness to you, you say, I was a disaster that day. I was not faithful to you that day, God, but you were faithful to me. I I was not loving in response, but you loved me. Your promised love was was magnified and, and shown clearly that day. Steadfast love and faithfulness. And that, uh, this is a reason, a reason to praise, a reason to give thanks. Um, as we move on uh, quickly, uh, it says this, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And, and all, all this is getting to, I, I want to say this, uh, it's appropriate to give thanks, You're not flattering God when you're giving thanks. You're not making stuff up and overdoing it. You can't overdo your thanks to God. Why? Because he's deserving. And as it says in verse two there, it says, for you have exalted above all things your name and your your word. What is that? Well, uh, his name embodies all that he is. It reminds people of all that he is. And his word is his promises. So, so what you get there is this, this, the nature of God and his promises. And as we understand that, his nature and his promises, what should we do? We should thank him. Why? Because he's deserving, Right? Many times uh, you're greatly impressed by someone initially and then you get to know them. My wife's here, so like she was greatly impressed with me 
and now not so much. But anyways, uh, but this picture is, that's us as humans, right? That's us as humans, that, that sometimes we can overdo it initially, right? But, but I want to tell you, it's the complete opposite with God. As we get to know him, we see him as attractive and good and the one that we want. And then as we really get to know him over time, over his years, uh, we see his nature and his promises and they're exalted above all things. Verse three. And this very simply is uh, what many of us could relate to. On the day I called, you answered me. You see, the psalmist was reflecting, and it doesn't say what day that was, but it was in the situation in the midst of his enemies and him trying to follow after God, and he found himself to be wanting and needy, and what did he do? He cried out to God. He cried out to God, and God answered him, right? Very simply, he cried out in prayer to God. He said, God, I need you, and God said, yeah, I'll help you. Um, I think it's interesting how he helped him. He doesn't say exactly. He says, you answered me. My, my strength of my soul, you increased. The strength of my soul, you increased. The idea of in the midst of his enemies, in the midst of his trials, his predicament, him trying to follow after God, in that he was strengthened. He was strengthened that he might make it through. I think it's important for you to to know that the psalmist was in the problem. He was in the midst of his enemies and God strengthened him there, him there. Um, I'll just say this and I can't, I always think about this. I've told you this before. When I was uh, uh, young, there was this um, video game and it was a very crude like video game. I think it was called Galaga. How many of you have played Galaga? Oh, these are my people here. Some of you are my people. Um, and I, I think it was Galaga. If it wasn't, don't correct me. Um, but um, there, there was this game. And it was this game and you had this little blip and there were things that would come around and you were trying to shoot them and get rid of them and get out of there and protect yourself. And, but if you, they, they had this one button. They had this one button. It was the hyperspace. And what it did was when you were in a mess and there were too many people around you, you just hit it and it puts you someplace else. And I want to tell you that most of us, when we get in problems, we're looking for that button, right? You know, how can you just eject me out of this situation? Put me in a different town, in a different place, with different friends, family, and people, and like, give me another job, and just hyperspace me out of here. Uh, God, that's what I want you to do. And I want to tell you, God doesn't do that. He says, I got you right there where you are. I got you right there. And, he, and, and the psalmist says, he acknowledges this. He says, in the midst of whatever's going on, he says, I strengthen you. I strengthen you. I'm going to give you strength in the midst that you might be able to endure uh, what is going on. Verse four, which brings us to the thanks to the king above all kings. He, the first one was thanks uh, be to the true God. Remember, he was praising him in the midst of God's. Now listen to this, verse four He says, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks. And I think this is David, and I think David was the only king. I I think he was the only king in the whole world that was giving thanks to God. And I don't know if there's any kings or presidents right now that are giving thanks to God, right? Uh, 
I don't know. What do I know? Um, but thanks uh, to the king of kings. But he says this, verse 4, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. And, and the picture here is this, that this is what I think David's saying. He's saying, I, I know that you deserve thanks and the rest of the kings should see this too and they should, shall give thanks. Like this is what a king should do. Why? And why don't kings give thanks? Because they think they're the king, Right? Uh, in ancient times and probably throughout the world, even still today, there are kings and presidents who think they are God. They're God. And, and what decisions they make are all about boosting their acknowledgement of being God king, right? And yet the psalmist writes, he says, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks. And, and once again, what is he acknowledging? That the king's are not the ones that deserve thanks. Not the God, other gods don't deserve thanks. It's the one true God, the God of David, the God of the Old Testament, uh, the God of the Bible. Uh, kings should give thanks, and David, David was probably the only one, but he acknowledged that the others should. As he thinks, um, as he talks about why, in the middle of verse four, he says, for they have heard the words of your mouth, uh, once again, those are the promises, the promises that God has. Verse five, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, his promises and how he works, for great is the glory of the Lord. And, and, and what he is picturing here is that all the kings and kingdoms, all that uh, is going on is lowly and nothing, is lowly and nothing, and that God uh, that he's worshiping is high above and lifted up and meant to be praised and to give thanks. His glory is on display. Uh, David acknowledges this for himself as well. And uh, he says this, looking down at verse six, um, verse six says, for though the Lord is high, the one that we're praising he regards the lowly. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you say, well, I'm not in the Bible. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> there it is. There it is. He regards the lowly. He regards the lowly. We're not kings or gods. You know, we can, we can barely find our glasses at sometimes, right? You know, you know, can't accomplish anything great. We are the lowly, and what an amazing thing to be praised for that he regards as being high, far above, lifted up, he regards the lowly, you and me. I want to say this, that David wasn't always a humble man, but as he acknowledged this, as he saw it clearly, even a king sees himself as lowly before uh, the God of the universe. Um, which brings us to verse 7. Uh, my Lord, today and forever. Uh, he says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, in the midst of trouble, do you get it again, right? He's not being jumped out of there. He's not being pulled out of there and says, God, whew, gone. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of trouble, uh, he, uh, he sees, in, in, he acknowledges God's help and his preservation. He says, you preserve my life. 
I, I think of Psalm 23. He says, you know, the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What is the valley of the shadow of death? Well, it's that dark place where there's shadowy things and it's the place people die, right? It's the shadow of death. He's not dead, but he's going, I'm, I'm going to go on down there and that might be the place where people die because it's shadowy and who knows what's in the shadows, right? And, and, and we feel that, right? We understand uh, about those things and maybe you feel that way right now. You're in the shadow of death and I want to tell you that the psalmist, he's, he knew, I walk in the midst of trouble, and in the midst of trouble, you're the one that preserves my life. And, and in doing so, you get this beautiful thing that, and I say beautiful uh, because it is. Uh, you stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. And there's this picture of God going with his people and he says, no, not there, you know, and I'll take care of you. And he's both, he's both, you know, pushing the enemies away and protecting his, his very own. Um, you preserve my life. You preserve my life. Your hand delivers me. I, I, I want you to um, rem- remember your hand, okay? Uh, verse seven, you stretch out your hand and your right hand delivers me, Okay. And then verse 8, he says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And then what does he say? Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. That's very similar to what he said before. I want to back up just to the the first part of verse 8. He he says this, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. One of the most difficult uh, struggles when it comes to the, the... tough times of life, you're afraid that you're going to somehow lose, right? You're, you're afraid that somehow you're going to miss out, that God's will will not come to pass. And, and I want to tell you, if, if it's up to you, it won't. You, you won't succeed. If you do it your way, it, it'll be a mess. But the, the picture here is this, as God walks with us, as he is the one we trust in for strength, that he will fulfill his will and his purposes for you. Uh, I, I want you to know that there's a great confidence and there's this invincibility that comes with walking with God, knowing that he's working out his plan in you, that he will fulfill his purpose for you. Once again, his steadfast love He says, your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Um, How is your faithfulness? How how long does it last? How how long does your obedience and your heart and your, uh, what can you take? And you say, well, I'm pretty strong. And yeah, but there's, there's a time where you run out, right? There's a time where you run out. And acknowledged in this is that he, God does not run out. He does not run out of his steadfast love for you. And it will endure forever. The psalmist ends, uh, the psalm would say, do not forsake the work of your hands. What is the work of his hands? The work of his hands is taking care of the enemies and taking care of me, right? 
He says that's what his hands are doing. And that's what, and, and the psalmist, what, is, what he's acknowledging, I don't think he's going, eh, don't forget me. <laughs> you, you might forget. No, he's already acknowledged that he wouldn't be forgiven. He says, I'm, I'm excited, I'm thankful, I'm confident for you to complete your work in me, that your hands will continue to be at work in me. I'm going to close it up there. Uh, I want to encourage you. This is a bunch of things that I wanted to do this morning. First of all, I wanted to encourage you about Thanksgiving, that God's been good to us and there's much to acknowledge. I also wanted you to take your eyes off, um, you know, pumpkin pies and, uh, and even the beauty of this place. You know, th- th- those things are all true. And, and, but as you look at the psalm, uh, it was all about his God. It was all about his God. I'm going to do this anyways. I got a few more notes here. Twelve things. I'm going to go fast. These are the twelve things from uh, this passage that we can praise God for. His steadfast love and faithfulness. That uh, his name is above. That was number one. I combine them. Uh, uh, the second one is, his name is above all names and his word and his promises. Second thing, the third thing, uh, that he hears our prayers and he answers. That was the third thing. Fourth, that he would strengthen us in the midst of problems. And number five is that he is above all other kings. He is above all other kings. Number six, for his words and his ways. Number seven, that his glory is above all. Number eight, that he, being high, regards the lowly, me and you. Uh, Number nine, that he preserves us in the midst of the storm. Number 10, that his hands fight for me and protect me. Number 11, that he will prevail in me, his life, his purpose. And that number 12, that he is my forever finisher of my faith. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of knowing your word and for the testimony of the believers that have come in baptism today. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with thanks and praise because you are deserving. God, do your work in this church. Help us to be a lighthouse to this dark community. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.